Yes, I will. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to the Powder Room. Today, we're discussing the movie Devotion, which came out in 2021. Yep, came out right after Top Gun Maverick. Oh, boy, folks. Mm-hmm. Two fire. aviator films. Yep. <laughs> it's based on the book. Devotion, an epic story of heroism, friendship, and sacrifice by Adam Makes. This movie costs $90 million. And I think you can see that on screen. Yes. I think they, that $90 million is on screen. It was well spent. It made $21 million at the box office. But I want to say it, was, it had a lot of competition. And I don't think it had a lot of marketing thrown at it. That really hurt this. Let's start it off. What was your history with this film? I might have seen an Instagram post from Joe Jonas with, you know, the poster for this film. It might have been that, but I I was not aware of the film, I think because Top Gun had just really blown up and everyone was seeing that. I think I saw something on, I saw an image. And of course, Glenn Powell is also in Top Gun Maverick. Yes. I think my first thought was, man, they cranked out a a side sequel pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, not with Tom Cruise, or with, but they yeah. maybe gave this guy another movie separate, which I would be happy to see. Same. I, I'm happy to see Glenn. Glenn uh, is, Howell. Uh, Howell. Anytime. <laughs> anytime. <laughs> but I really thought it was a side movie for Top Gun. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, we just see his character and another friend. Kind off. of like Tokyo Drift. Yeah. <laughs> we be drifted. <laughs> okay. Fun fact. Ooh. <laughs> I love facts. About Juliet. I am a sucker for horse and aviator films. Okay? Give me National Velvet. Give me Secretariat. Give me War Horse any day of the week. These films just hit me. And then aviator films, I mean, 1917, we got The Aviator, we've got about Pearl Harbor, Ooh. Dunkirk. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't even like horses and I don't like flying. And yet somehow these films are my favorite. They capture my soul. I equate it to someone not liking ketchup, but loving tomatoes. It makes mm-hmm. no sense. So I'm going to enjoy this more than the average person. I may not be as critical. Our main boy, Glenn Powell, he's playing Tom Hunter, but for the sake of this podcast, we're just going to call him Glenn. Jonathan Majors is playing Jesse Brown, but we're just going to call him John. Part of the reason we're doing this is just because it's easier. It's the actors and that's their names. And we're talking about this movie in um, not a storytelling way, but in a discussing the movie way. But also it's especially important for this episode because I want to differentiate between we are talking about this movie and this script not these two American heroes. And just really want to make that clear because I truly had no idea going into this. And I watched this film and I've got some things to say about how these men were portrayed, Mm -hmm. which is not them in any way, shape or form. So our Glenn, he heads into the locker room. It's the 1950s. Did you see all the pinups? There was one of, there was one of, uh, Whatchamacallit, Jane Russell. Oh, and I just thought it was the so cute. The pinups were so risque, and they're wearing more clothes than most women wear to the office today. <laughs> yeah. These little shorts, and they're, I, and they don't have, you know, it's just, oh, uh, I just, 
wish that I lived in this time. But I can say that because I'm a white woman. So it's very- <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It's always so easily romanticized as yes. a white woman. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I wish I were. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh. <laughs> but then this film that makes you realize, oh, yeah, maybe not so much. So Glenn is in the locker room alone, getting doing his thing. And he hears a voice. It's very creepy. And the voice is like, you ain't worth shit. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I, I said, run. And I'm like, okay. Very unsettling because Jonathan Majors is just such a great actor. Yeah. And Jonathan, he walks out. We kind of figure very quickly that he was talking to himself. Glenn's like, everything okay? <laughs> they shake hands. Immediately, John is doing some stuff that's Marlon Brando-esque. He's so natural and kind of, you know, awkward. You just feel like... It's no longer a movie when he's on screen and you're just watching a documentary. Because he's that good, right? He's that good. Yeah. It's incredible. They shake hands. No big deal. He leaves and kind of bumps into the rest of our crew. This group of guys. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Gorgeous. What a ragtag team, huh? (laughs) Literally, it's a a shame any of them got to die because they all are so... They look so good on screen together. They got some fun banter. They're like, Glenn's got a pretty face. And Glenn's like, you boys sound lonely. We're having fun. It's all good. I actually thought this was cute. (laughs) Yeah. We're in the classroom and Thomas Sadowski just steals this movie. Uh, Every time he was on screen and did something, I was like, yeah, let's do it. We're going. I just thought he, this was his job he's done his whole life. Oh, it's, it felt like, again, we were watching a documentary yes. of a man giving a real flight lesson. He's showing the boys black and white footage of an atom bomb. And he goes, Stalin and his Soviets field tested their own bomb. And wouldn't you know it, same design as ours. <laughs> and he goes, it won't be long until they strap that thing on a bomber. And I was like, wow, the stakes are high. Very soon, the Russians could have a nuclear bomb and they could put it on a plane, and the only way that we can protect ourselves is if these boys in this classroom right here become expert flyers. Yep. So, <laughs> I was, no pressure. <laughs> around here, I was getting a little nervous that this maybe just wasn't the movie for us, because we were just going to sit here and talk about everything that was great, and go back and forth. Oh, did you like this part? I love this part. Did you like the... This was great. And also, our whole thing is the female gaze, and it's understandable there's just not that many females because this is 1950. Well, and we, we can... We'll get into that. Don't get me wrong. But like, yeah. I was like, oh, is there anything to talk about? I thought it was beautifully shot. Yeah, like, it was. It was gorgeous. But I, again, because I'm easily moved by <laughs> planes. <laughs> I hate horses. Send them to the glue factory. But you give me a movie about a horse. <laughs> I'm on my <laughs> knees. <laughs> planes. No. Well, <laughs> God, I love you a put a man in a flight suit and... <laughs> Take me. Um, Yeah, I think I would have fit really well in this period. Um, Spoiler alert, she's also white. We're both romanticizing a very tough time in the nation to be anything other than white. So, Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, I agree with you. At this point, I was like, ooh, this was a really good pick. Yeah, it's not going to stay that way. No, because very soon I'm going to have some big concerns. Mm-hmm. Thomas, he pairs up our boys. And of course, you know, Glenn and John are paired up together. And the point of today's practice is that it's not, I don't want to say tandem flying, but it's like one person's in charge and the other person's 
a little bit behind. They've got to like mimic each other, make sure that they have the same flight patterns. They're off flying in these cool old propeller planes. We're flying over the ocean and John is in the lead and John starts flying very close to what appear to be civilian boats. Too close for my comfort. (laughs) Inappropriately too Mm -hmm. close for comfort. Now here's the thing I have a problem with is John knows his skill level. It's still not appropriate, but he doesn't know Glenn's. Right. And there are possibly children, possibly pregnant women. It's a beautiful day. Yep. Or even just fishermen who are goddamn it just trying to get the job done, <laughs> you know? And he's flying real close. You don't know if Glenn is going to be he able to... He doesn't know Glenn's skill at all. And so then I'm like, okay, Yvette, let it go. This is just the movie trying to show that they're having fun going through different objects. And they're not that close. John's trying to test Glenn. Yeah. And you don't... And also, you don't know rules were different. Maybe... This was, it's the, it's the 50s. We just, maybe they're allowed to fly close to civilian boats. Maybe the civilians are like, whatever. But I want to point out that he still doesn't know Glenn's level. To be fair, Glenn, if he can see, oh, I could kill these people, I think he would have just diverted. He's a, but we don't know that. We don't, we don't know, know that. We don't know. I understand what you're saying. But John, like, oh, why charge. were you going to do that to me? Like, or were you setting me up to fail? So like, now blah, Glenn blah, blah, has blah. to look like a little bitch. Because, right. th- no, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm putting the onus of this on John because it gets worse. Yes. We're now going over an island and there's absolutely, obviously, family-dwelling neighborhood. And John, no joke, aims his plane straight down mm-hmm. towards a house, towards a family-dwelling. And he's aiming it down and Glenn... Is following him, John. This is full out. They are nose diving towards a house. And then John pulls up and Glenn pulls up, and I'm like, whoa, thank God, because they would have just crashed, crashed into the house. That house. I just can't help but think this is highly illegal. Uh, even today. In, like, there are flight zones for training purposes. It makes him look reckless. And also, remember, the only thing we've really seen of him before is he's whispering very intense things in the bathroom alone to himself. Yeah, it's like, can we trust him? What's can going we, on? Can we rely on him to make good decisions in the air? Uh, fly down towards a mountain that has... Uh, or forest. Uh, uh, yeah. Risk your own life. Don't, like, bring other people into it that are just, like... Innocent bystanders. Inno- yeah. We are back in the locker room, and Glenn is standing over John. He's just taking a shower. He's got like a tank top on. John's sitting down and Glenn is using the towel. And Glenn's ring falls off his like class ring from his flight academy. That's weird. Never grown ass man with a ring on like just falls off. Like it's, (laughs) he just lost his pregnancy weight. (laughs) (laughs) Is he that cold? It was so weird. And so John picks it up and he's like, oh, you're a flight school. Okay, whatever. But I was like, that was a weird locker room moment. There's like an easier way of getting that information. Yeah. I've never, I, I, what brings you here? Like what schools you come from? How often have you seen a woman or a man, but especially a man with a class ring, how often have you seen it just fall off? You don't. It, 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 again, this movie to me is a death by a thousand paper cuts. Just little things. Little, little paper cuts. And then there's parts where that it's so seem good. not believable. Yeah, yeah. And then there's so many good parts that just pulls me back in that I can't help but notice the next paper cut because. Mm-hmm. And it, then it's just so jarring. Yeah. Glenn says to John, You want to get a beer? 
let's hang out. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, yeah, let's do some yeah. character development. Let's talk. Let's, they're they're going to be partners. Yep. Wingmen. Let's get a beer. John declines. So then we get the first thing that causes me to really fixate on this one thing because I don't know any of the history. I'm telling you, I was not trying to be funny. I was not trying to be cutesy. I wasn't trying to be anything. Carol looks at Glenn and says, did you see the lighthouse? And Glenn looks back at him and says, yeah. And I was like, lighthouse? Huh. And then a part of me just kind of thought, is this a gay thing? (laughs) Is this? So, so wait, I just want to say, I went back and I rewatched the flight. I don't see a lighthouse at all. At all. I don't see a lighthouse. So is this going to be a movie where we learn that Glenn, his character is gay and Carol is gay. And this is maybe going to be kind of not a big gay movie, but that these characters, we all know that before, even, even now today, there are certain things that men and women do in the locker room to try to figure out sexual orientation of the other, if the other's interested in the most mm-hmm. famous, of course, is the senator that got caught and arrested in the airport bathroom because he did these taps underneath the stall to this other guy who was actually an undercover cop. Do you remember that? <laughs> so I thought maybe this lighthouse thing was a gay thing. I'm not sold on it yet, but I thought maybe the movie was going to be Glenn is secretly gay. Jonathan's character, of course, he's black and they're both. They feel oppressed in uh, their own yeah, ways. Yeah, and they're, they become friends. And that's kind They of, have that bond because they both feel. That, yeah, yes. that's what I thought was. I never thought John was playing a gay character. Um, he was very adamant, very quickly about his wife. Like, the, yes. not that you can't be. I never, I never got that impression with John's character. But I kind of was like, oh, is that what's going on here? Because there's no lighthouse. You know, okay, so when this line was said, my only thought was we didn't get all the pieces of that flight that they went on, and maybe John, as a way of testing Glenn, took him by a lighthouse real close, right? Like He, <laughs> he, he took him by the boats in this house. But, right. Uh, so then I thought maybe something was cut. Now, you are smarter than me, because I went off on a tangent, and I do believe eventually that's what we're going to find out. But I digress. We move on, and we are at... A Louisiana fish fry. That food looked so good. So good. <laughs> it was so good. And Thomas and his wife, so Thomas, remember, is our flight instructor. Thomas and his wife invited all the boys over, but John is not with them. I did not get the feeling that Thomas did not not invite John. No, just I thought it was just John. John's his own. He doesn't hang out with anybody. Yes, he does his yeah. own thing. Yeah, yeah, great. Love it. Mm-hmm. And so off in the corner... Bo and Glenn are talking about girls. I really liked the scene because it brought up something that I actually do myself. Bo is giving Glenn the rundown on where to meet the girls. And Bo says, you know, it's rough these days with the girls. Because all the girls want are those guys with those tin cans. And I'm like, tin cans? And I keep going. He means medals. Girls want to date guys with medals. And it kind of brought up this funny thing to me because I was like, do they, Bo? <laughs> or do they just not really want to date you? <laughs> because there have been so many times, I think our egos need it. When yeah. you like a guy and he's just not like that into you and you have to say to yourself, he's just not into well-rounded, interesting, <laughs> classy women like me. Like, you gotta, your poor ego has to kind of like... Fine, he doesn't have good taste. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Weird. <laughs> Sucks to suck. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, I, I was going to say pun intended, but not. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I like this scene in this movie because I, I think they're trying to show this to you mm-hmm. that Bo is a little insecure insecure, and he's not that good with the ladies yep. and he's kind of blaming it on that he doesn't have any medals yet. He's just a little bambino. Yeah. And he'll, he'll get him soon. He'll get his medals. Yeah. He'll get his medals. Probably, you know, what's going on is when you win some medals, it affects that thing called confidence. And ego. Yeah. Hey. And, and you got the confidence to maybe take some rejection and when you get the home runs, you get the home runs. You know. It was a good character development moment. Yeah, it was fun. Glenn states he's not married. And at that point, I was like, hm, not that I wonder crazy. why. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like on to it, you know. And then John goes back home. His wife, Christina Jackson, is there. And they have this fun scene that was obviously written by a man because she is painting the bathroom blue, lovely color. She teases him with the paintbrush and kind of stabs at him like she's going to get his nice flannel shirt. Uh-huh. She's going to put some paint on that. She's really kind of playing with him. She's the one that's going to have to clean that. <laughs> right. And it's a nice <laughs> flannel shirt and he's not an investment banker. And also they don't have a lot of money. I was going to say they don't have enough money to be buying new shirts because they played around with some paint. Should have been written where she's painting and he's going in and he's like messing around with her and she's like, stop, like you're going to make me hit you. I'm not cleaning that up, sir. Or like you're going to push me into this wall and it's wet and you know. There could have been a lot of other things. Yes. Very cute moment when he picks up his baby daughter as if she's going to be the shield uh, between them and she says something like, oh, you're not playing fair. (laughs) Very cute. Look, they're great actors. It's just obvious that the business that they were given was written by a man because, especially with how clean her house looked, this looked like a woman that didn't want her man walking around with light blue paint on his clothing. It was a little thing, but then again, death by a thousand paper cuts with this movie. Mm -hmm. Where I'm like, ugh, ugh, we just saw this great fish fry, we just had this fun scene, and now just a little paper cut. And then you got me back with the cute little kid and the fun little banter, you know? Yes. (laughs) So annoying. (laughs) It's all great. Good fun. They're turn great. on the, you know, there's music that gets turned on. There, there's dancing, and it's you can tell it's just two people in their house enjoying some music. It's nothing crazy, but this really tender moment was cut short because yeah. all of a sudden there's a knock at the door, mm-hmm. and we know because we know history that this is not any knock of a friendly neighbor down the street. We know that this is the police at the door. I did. I, I was like, oh. who's at the door? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I knew immediately that it was the police. And I was like, oh, someone fucking snitched on these, on this sweet couple. The door opens. It is the police. And they're like, hey, yeah, we got a noise complaint. And I'm thinking, noise complaint? Because the jazz. Right. And it's like, really? These people? And then I kept thinking, yeah, they really couldn't do anything, could they? It's putting the groundwork for the struggles that John goes through throughout the course of his life of just being in a very white predominant Mm -hmm. field. I was very, I knew that this scene would come up eventually. Like Mm -hmm. something would happen where the police would show up, be like picking over something that is not a big deal that any white person could get away with. But yeah, it just tarnished that cute moment. Our crew goes on the tarmac and Thomas is just, God, so good. He's sitting in a chair. And he's got his coffee and he's got his folder there. He's he's very comfortable. He is in charge, as he is supposed to be. God, he just he every time he's on screen, I was like, 
buddy, I don't know what the fuck you're doing as an actor, but <laughs> get, so good. You need to switch careers and be an actual flight instructor. <laughs> He's like, I, I just memorized my lines and did the work in the class and rehearsing. So and I was like, yeah, but you're believable. I would follow you. And we get this wonderful scene where we are introduced to one of the main characters of this movie, mm-hmm. the Corsair. It is a plane, a propeller plane, one of the last models before they got into the jet age. And the Corsair comes in and lands behind him. What a sick name for a plane, too. Mm-hmm. Corsair. But it's... AKA the Widowmaker. That's right. one of its names. This Corsair is going to be our steed for this movie. And this uh, is the horse. This is going to yeah. ride us into battle. Instead of letting us get into these. I think planes, that's why I like. This is why I like playing movies. Oh, really? <laughs> no, just because this analogy of it, like, oh, carrying them into. This is their, yeah, this is their steed. Yeah. Little paper cut. Because instead of letting us continue with this lesson, we cut to a ride home. And I wanted to learn more about the plane. But yeah, this scene was in a weird position. Mm-hmm. This scene, though, we need to break it down. We get to learn that Glenn's a nice guy. He saw his teammate on the side of the road, stopped to give him a ride home. Mm-hmm. John, he's a lone wolf, but he knew he needed help. He took the ride. Character development, great. We get to the house, and John's wife... It's friendly. We're learning. Character. That's Everything's yep. fine. Come on in for a drink. But yet again, John is a lone wolf. He doesn't want Glenn to come in for a drink. Glenn picks up on that, says no. And then as Glenn leaves, he says, this house is beautiful. Nice to see it from the ground. So we learn that this is the house that John, in his plane, was aiming at. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Nice to see it from the ground? I just think it's nice to see it from the, like, because they're up in the air so much. This is a white house. The house that they were aiming for was a white house. Okay, but there can be plenty of white houses in an area. White is a pretty common color for homes. We can agree to disagree. We are (laughs) smart, intelligent women. I would love to go back to that initial scene where where John is aiming for a house and compare it. Thankfully, did you? We can do it. <laughs> we can do it. Yeah, we can. We can do it all day long because I think <laughs> I think this is what it means. I think what they're trying to say is, it wasn't that bad that he was aiming for a house because it was his own. I, and see, I'm and saying, I read it, and I read it as they're up in the air so much. Let's rewatch. I'm gonna go get my phone. Okay. I'm gonna turn it on my Amazon. Also, if, if I need to spend five ninety nine to rewrite this, I will. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Are you sure this is an after? Yeah, because it's an after. Okay, passing those boats way too close. Yep. And he's a little nervous. Glenn's a little nervous. Yeah, he hates it. Look how beautiful those... Gosh. That was the lighthouse! Look, there's a lighthouse? Right here, watch. Oh! Okay, well I missed that. Here comes Mother Truth. Descending real quick. We're really aiming for this little neighborhood here. And we are going for a house. A white house. That's absolutely the house. Yeah, you know what? You might be right. All right, hold on. Yeah, I was absolutely incorrect. They did fly close to a, a lighthouse. Hold on. This is it. 
He drops him off? Yeah. And he gets out to greet the missus. That's the house, right? That is the house. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the house. The front door with the deck that has the screen. Well, yeah. here, this is how I say it. We're one for one. I truly did not see the lighthouse. In my humble defense, I do think you're absolutely right that you thought we just missed some dialogue about the lighthouse mm-hmm. and when that meaning that it would have explained so much. I also think for the one second we do see the lighthouse, oh, it wasn't enough time to really process, oh yeah, that's a lighthouse. Like I think we needed like some other sh- angle of them going around. It would have made sense if they did a fast circle around it. Or... It would have been better if you would have been like, do you see the people picnicking on their boats? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because it's... That would make more sense. Okay. We, we went on the, around the boats more. So I am wrong there, but I am not wrong about this. That Glenn says, it's a beautiful house. It's nice to see it from the ground. I think the writers thought was that we were going to go, oh, he was aiming for his own house. That's, uh-huh. you know, it, it's his own house he was aiming for. My thought was, that's very intense. I know that this is the 1950s, mental health isn't a thing, but if I were Glenn, I'd be concerned. He's mm-hmm. any, He doesn't know me. I could have crashed into his house where his wife and beautiful little girl live. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Again, a little paper cut. I'm like, huh? Because all I'm doing now is I'm wondering about John's mental health. Because then, now we're back to the tarmac and we're getting to see the boys getting onto their steeds. And yeah. I'm like, God, this movie's got me back again. It's an abusive relationship is what it is. It really is. It's toxic. Is this the first film we've done with a montage? Probably. I, I love a good montage. Oh, I love a montage. So we get some really fun <laughs> things. Thomas in the classroom is doing this really cool thing. There's two toy planes attached at the end of two long rulers. And Thomas is kind of moving them to show the his boys flight patterns. That was a fun little snippet scene mm-hmm. where I'm like, wow, they really learned that stuff this way. Yeah. Because there's no... what a, <laughs> Turn on the old Apple, the they old MacBook. They didn't have a simulator. Yeah. Just behind yeah. Captain, very high status captain, comes in and he gives them the task. He says, Soviets are making some moves and we're going to respond. Keep this Cold War from getting hot. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is so good. I'm into it. Let's keep it cold, gentlemen. <laughs> and then John's talking to his better half and he says, this plane will be the death of me. And I was like, oh, to stop telling us that. Yeah, stop <laughs> foreshadowing. Yeah, oh, and, and then also he's worried about landing this plane. I don't understand why he's worried about landing this plane because we've seen him land this plane. Well, we haven't seen him land this plane, but it's been assumed. Well, landing planes and taking off are the most difficult parts. I assume that, but I didn't understand that he's worried about landing this plane on an aircraft right. <laughs> We, we have assumed that he's landed this plane several times when he's got tarmac for days to land this thing. Now, they do have a contraption on this boat where when you land, you have to do it right because there's this hook yeah. that attaches to the back of this plane and it keeps it from flying Absolutely. Off. If that doesn't get hooked, then you, you fly. You have to circle. Circle yep. back. We see Glenn land. Yes. And we see then what needs to happen with the hook. So now we know what John has to do. It's our boy's turn, John. He's up. And this is such a bummer. We do get some full-out racism on display mm-hmm. from John's own crew. They're his boys, and mm-hmm. they're just being kind of flippant. This is your teammate. He misses it the first time. 
John is so good, um, such a good actor, and he's made, and I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And of course, he turns around and he hits it perfectly. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, and, and the movie's got me back. Mm-hmm. It's got me back so that it can hurt me yet again. Soon enough, it will. So they've all passed this, and now they are going to go on this mission. And Thomas says, and don't forget, get your affairs in order. And I was just like, I've never had a job where it was like, you might die. You need to get your affairs in order. Uh, <laughs> if anything, <laughs> I've had jobs. But, like, but it's also like, get your affairs in order. We leave tomorrow. It's like, oh, shit. So I got to <laughs> I gotta draft up my will <laughs> this evening. and <laughs> Got to make sure the wife's got <laughs> some money and the mistress doesn't know me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I got to make sure I don't say too much in my farewell letter because <laughs> what if I do make it out of this life? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I admit to her that I actually don't love her anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving her for Lucy down the street. Like. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Glenn does, he, he's, he looks over at John. He says, hey, is your car fixed yet? Implying he'll, he's going to give the guy a ride home. Mm-hmm. And this time, finally, they've warmed up to each other, and and John does let Glenn come inside and meet the wife and the kids. When they enter, she's still painting the bathroom blue. (laughs) It's taken forever. I I don't know what she's doing all day. (laughs) She's painting. She's. This is the. This is the thing. This. This screenplay was written by two white men. Yeah. And she was given the business of painting the bathroom blue, and God damn it, she's gonna paint. That bathroom, that bathroom will be blue. And she will be doing that the entire film. The entire, she has no other job. It's been weeks since they played around with the paint. And now he's coming in to meet her and she's still painting. You know what would have been funny is if he, like before he left, he goes, I think we should change the shade. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little too, it's a little too baby blue for my liking. (laughs) John's wife hands Glenn a beer and Glenn says, I didn't think John drank. And and she says he doesn't, (laughs) implying that she does. They have a talk that is very clearly to me now at this point. I've kind of forgotten a little bit about the gay thing. I just, that was just a weird moment. I'm not like obsessed with that anymore, Mm -hmm. but I was really looking for the signs, you know, (laughs) but I, because also I'm now very into this. Is this going to be a movie about John's mental health? Because we've, I've only he seen, gonna, yeah. he's aiming his, at his house at civilians. He is cursing at himself when he thinks he's, no one's around. And now we have a scene where his wife says, I can't protect him when he gets on that boat. So I would like for you to protect him. And I was like, okay, so there is something mental health going on. I think she was referring to, can you be his ally? You know, like, or look out for him in ways that I know he won't look out for himself. Uh, mental health. That to me says that, that I want, look, it's little things, but I don't know anything about this movie. I'm just watching it for the first time. These are the things my fresh eyes are picking up. Right. That I think maybe they didn't, the people that made this movie didn't pick up because they had spent five years, six years developing it. Yep. And they couldn't see it anymore. We are in the Mediterranean. They're in the aircraft carrier and they're just racing through it. Boop, 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 tapping things, running up in single file line. They get up to the tarmac and they... The, Thomas is there, times them, just weren't fast enough. This idea that the opposing sides' planes are coming and these guys have to practice running through this. Which uh, is crazy. And you, so exciting. Oh, so so exciting. So exciting. I, I wanted to see more montage mm. of them like practicing this, like maybe like them in their beds getting yeah. the signal and then like them practicing this. Reporters are there and the reporters are very interested in John. 
Yeah, he's the only one they care about. But not for the right reasons. And he knows that. Yep. They and he doesn't to, play the game either. Oh, what was so funny was why do they even care about him playing the game? Because they were going to make up his dialogue anyway. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, why are you guys even just? Because he even makes it. He's like, I'm not going to say what you want me to say. But uh, then I love how Thomas comes in and he's like, Yeah, he's done. Yeah. Again, <laughs> <laughs> Thomas and Jonathan are just single handedly fighting this war by themselves. <laughs> no, they really are. <laughs> we're in the classroom, and this is where I, I am going to point out. I was starting to pause the movie and look up different terms. There's a thin line between over-explanation and not explaining anything. They need someone to test the gyro. I think this would have been great if they could have put something more in dialogue, but I looked it up. A gyro has a stabilizing effect on the plane. It's a special, I can't tell you more, it's a special thing that they put on these propeller planes that helps stabilize it. Mm -hmm. So they want one of the guys to go up, circle around a few times, and test out the gyro. I'm glad I looked it up beforehand because I feel like I would have been mad confused. Immediately, did you think R.I.P. Carol? (laughs) Immediately. First of all, I want to say as soon as they were like, we need someone to volunteer to do this, I was like, well, someone's going to die. And whoever, and whoever volunteers. And of course, our good guy Glenn is like, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And then John looks over at Carol and is like, hm, we can't lose Glenn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <We> can- <laughs> he saw the poster. <laughs> not here, not now. <laughs> okay, okay. Because we haven't touched on this, but it's implied that John and Carol are actually best friends. Earlier, John's wife even says to Glenn, the only people I've met are you and Carol. And after John makes that, where he misses the first time and has to swoop around, Carol is there, greets him and says, oh, it matters that you landed. I would almost even argue the way it plays in is that John and Carol were friends first and they're best friends. They're good friends. So I think what John is trying to do here is like, Carol, this is your chance. Get a little attention. Do something. Yeah. You know, I got that. But I also got, as the viewer, R.I.P. Carol. You know those guys that are on the tarmac and they've got the flags and they're doing all the great movement? Yes. And they're moving and you're like, what are they doing? They, I did not know this because I am not in the armed forces. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Who knew? The LSO is the landing safety officer. This is where in the film we hear about the LSO, but they don't tell us what it stands for. And this is one of those things, unless you look it up, you ignore it. You ignore it. I ignored it. I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's what that guy is doing. LSO, the guy with the big paddles. So I'm learning. This movie is making me learn. That's that's raising its star level up, I'm telling you, because I'm, I'm, with the paper cuts, I'm still interested enough in this movie where I'm paying attention. You're invested. I'm invested. And the idea is that the gyro... And the way that you're landing, the limited tarmac that you have, you have to trust with your life the guy with these panels. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he's moving so much and crewing so much, and if you could see me, dear listener, I'm doing some dance moves here, is because he really physically has to physically tell you in that cockpit what to do so that you don't die, so that you can land. Mm-hmm. Very serious. And so Carol comes in, and you see that guy. He's waving his. He's like, come on, get up. Get up, get up, get up. This, I do not blame the actors for this. Unfortunately, I do blame the either the editors or the director. I agree. The plane goes down. We all knew it would. This isn't our first war movie. 
we knew we had to have a sacrificial lamb, and that is Carol. The plane goes down. <laughs> we don't see it crash. We hear it crash. And no one moves for a... For, and can I just say, they called the crash crew, and they were like, crash crew on deck, like, stand by, and Glenn, they didn't even go out for him. And then Glenn looks to John and goes, oh, Carol didn't, he just didn't trust that guy. He should have done this. And um, that's what happened. He was John like, he was said, too low. And uh, to be fair, though, neither John, his best friend is just, everyone should be running. Yep. And I understand that not every single person, because some people, they, they've got jobs to do. We're on a ship. They can't go running, but they want to. But John and Glenn should go running. Glenn, this man has just crashed. Glenn should not be talking about, it's not time for Glenn to do a postmortem on what he can learn from this so that he can learn and give honor to his friend that died by learning from him or whatever bullshit. It's time to save Carol. They all run. Finally, they decide they should save him or at least figure out the crash site. It's so weird how this is edited. They all just like run to the edge like fucking Titanic, like Rose on Titanic. And they're just. God damn it. So frustrating because paper cut. I'm getting paper cuts, paper cuts. They. John should have immediately started running. Glenn should have kept his mouth fucking shut and started running. And everyone should have started He should have been yelling to the crew, being like, all right, everyone, get in the water. Like, let's get him out of here. No joke. No joke. They get to the edge, and they look over, and I am not an expert. His plane, while it wasn't going to be flying anytime soon, didn't look that beat up. Oh, it was in pieces, I think. Are we going to have to pull out the film? (laughs) Are we going to have to, it looked, first of all, it did not look like it was in pieces. It looked like, look, he was going to have a sore neck. Carol was going to have a sore neck, but someone, it was almost like they were like, huh? (laughs) And you should have seen people jumping the, the the rescue crews, at least to get the body. Yeah. But instead they all just kind of stare at it. And to me, honestly, I want us to bring it up and I can always cut it later if I'm wrong. I think it was a budget thing. They couldn't afford to to, to just, oh, because they were real planes. But then it is in the ocean. No, but I I don't think they had either budget or time to have a scene where we have some crew go out into the water. We just need to see one guy jump. Someone's got to go. Okay, pull it up. What would have made sense was if that plane was just in pieces. Okay. Okay, here we go. Coming in. We're coming in hot. They run over. Everyone's just looking. No one's jumping in to help. And the plane, to me, looks not great, but looks like... Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's not in pieces. Here's the thing. Most likely, he is dead just from impact alone. Sure, sure, sure. Yes. g force and blah, blah, blah. I would have liked to see some sense of urgency. Uh, that's the big part. A sense of urgency, R.I.P. Carol. So, understandably, John is angry with Glenn for acting like a little baby bitch boy. Yeah. How dare Glenn? It, Carol made a mistake. He paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you want to turn to me right after he has died and point out his faults? Not time or you, place, bro. Not... Read the room. Read the tarmac. Which, it takes Glenn the whole fucking movie to know how to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. All the boys are out. They, they do their drink to our fallen hero, Carol. And they all leave, and, and John and Glenn are standing there. And John tells Glenn about all of his experiences that he... Some of the experiences, not all of them. I'm sure there are many. Some of the experiences that he has had to go through regarding racism. And especially, they really highlight that... Because he's a black man, 
there were truly people at his training school that thought he wouldn't be able to swim. <laughs> Actually, this scene right here, because of the acting... Oh, it's beautiful. It was, uh, it, one of and the again, now this scene. film is getting me back. It's bringing it's, me flowers. It's, it's bringing me chocolates. It's apologizing. I am back it's in it. Yes, yeah, no. I, oh, but, and then you just think. But that's what they do. That's what these abusive movies do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do. They bring you back in. We're at the beach. Elizabeth Taylor is at the beach. And... She meets John, and she invites him to the casino. What did you think about seeing Liz Taylor? Okay. So I've already said that National Velvet is one of my favorite films. Oh, my gosh. This film has everything for you. (laughs) (laughs) So as soon as... At first, I thought they were going to almost put in Grace Kelly, because I know that Grace Kelly was in this area. Maybe it was a few years before she filmed To Catch a Thief, but... Anyway, I was even wondering if Liz Taylor was actually in the book or if they just met a lot of fun actresses and they decided in making this movie, we'll have all of these different fun actresses and women that they met. We'll just have Liz Taylor encompass all of them. We'll put her in. It'll be a fun little addition. It's not real, but it's fun. Another part of me, you know, (laughs) this is no joke. I was like, Liz Taylor is a very popular gay icon. (laughs) And I was wondering if maybe she was going to know that Glenn... (laughs) You're coming back to it! I'm so stupid. For 45 minutes, you've let it go. I I, I did. I let it go. But now I'm like, oh, is is this the time? Are we going to finally learn about Glenn? Like, because, you know, we haven't been able... Well, I was thinking... Oh, I don't know if she, is she married at this point because she's been she's married so many times. Married. I don't have all of the last names memorized, but I do have Burton, Burton, Warner, Fortinsky memorized. I can't remember the first few. Should we let's look it up? We got time? Yeah, sure. So first being Conrad Hilton Jr. Hilton. Then Michael Wilding. Hilton Wilding. Mike Todd. Hilton Wilding Todd. Eddie Fisher. Hilton Wilding Todd Fisher. Burton, Burton, Warner, Fortinsky. Yes. Ah! I do love her. I do love Me her. Too. Okay. But what we do need to pull out of this is that she's a lovely woman and she's doing her civic duty to invite all of her the American soldiers that she meets to come join her. They're having a great time. Yeah. Uh, John and Glenn are like, are like, hey, let's go get grab a drink. And Glenn orders them both a drink. The bartender makes one and hands it to Glenn. And he goes, hey, I think you forgot my, my guy John's drink. And yeah. bartender just ignores him. And Glenn is upset about this mm-hmm. and, like, tries to do something about it. But John is like, he's very he, chill. And he, he goes, it's fine. He goes, let's just go to a, he goes, let's go to another place, all right? Mm-hmm. No big deal. And he, because John knows he can't make a scene and mm-hmm. he can't be angry mm-hmm. because there's nothing worse than an angry black man at this time, right? Mm-hmm. People will get scared. Things will happen. And so he reels it in and he's like, well, let's just go. There's other places around here. Yeah. And that's when they're all like, let's leave. And really cute. They go to leave and John goes by Elizabeth Taylor and he goes, hey, like we're heading out. And then Glenn gives like one last blow on her yeah. little die and she rolls it and you can tell that it was a good roll because yeah. she cheers. And I just thought there's something so pure about that. Mm-hmm. It definitely put a smile on my face when afterwards, and I 
I, I realized it was true. Well, maybe it didn't happen just that way, but it was true. I just think what like a special little night, right? We are in the meeting room for our aircraft pilots on the aircraft carrier. It's very intense because the North Koreans have taken Seoul. We've got to take out two bridges, Thomas tells them. And they have AA weapons. I had to pause. It's very important. I wish that somehow we knew that AA was not an alcohol awareness program. Because <laughs> I, but that is anti-aircraft weapons. I didn't know that. So I'm glad I looked it up because it makes complete sense. Because I keep saying it. We've got to slow the Chinese from adding more troops to the North Korean side. And already my blood pressure, I'm like, oh, God, this movie's getting good. This movie's getting good. You know, they're love bombing me. <laughs> At this point, we haven't had them really do any serious no. flying. No, no, no. And then Thomas has such great lines, and he reads them so well. And Thomas says, we're going to take out these two bridges, but we've got a big problem. Because if you bomb anything on the Chinese side, you will be single-handedly responsible for starting World War Three." The stakes. The stakes are so fucking high. So good. So good. They are so good. Oh, it's time for the main course, baby. I am into it. Uh, I loved every second of this battle. Until I didn't. <laughs> we'll get to it. So, we get text on screen. That is helpful. Yes. Although we do know we're going to the border. Yeah. But I do <laughs> like fine. knowing Sinuju, North Korean, uh, yes. Chinese border. Gorgeous mountain ranges. Beautiful. Stunning. They're all up in the air. And Thomas, our instructor, is going to lead his men, as it should be. He notices right off the bat there's something wrong with this plane. And he is responsible. He is a meddled hero. He's got no ego. He doesn't have to have ego. And he can't go on because there is something, I believe, wrong with his landing gear. Yes. He double checks. It's not like he just goes, oh, something's wrong. He double checks with, I believe, Glenn in the plane uh-huh. over. And Glenn visually can confirm there is something wrong. No ego with this man. No. He can't go on this mission. He's like, it's fine. As he should be. There's, he can't do anything or help anyone. He needs to go back now because it's going to take him a while to land. Yes. Because he's probably going to have to go around and around until he can safely land. Yeah, he needs to slow down his speed. So Glenn is now taking control. They're all in formation. I really love this. And I'm like, oh, God, this is so fucking so into it. Glenn takes in a breath. Calming breath. Smart move. Calm mm-hmm. it down. You're about to go into fire. These guys have not seen combat either. No. No, they haven't. They peel off. They start going. And it's great. I have not said this about a movie that we have reviewed on this podcast, but it's worth renting just to watch this scene. Mm-hmm. But it's so good. And they're going around and they're splitting up and there's different units and they all have to do different things. Yes. And all of a sudden, the opposing side has some aircraft come by. And Glenn and John break off to handle that. Glenn gives the responsibilities to two other people. I believe Joe Jonas is now in charge of this one group that's supposed to take out the anti-aircraft on mm-hmm. the ground, the AAs on the yes. ground. And then another group that we don't know that well, they're coming in with some big bombs, some big boys to take out the bridges. Mm-hmm. We follow our two main characters, and they're flying around trying to chase these aircraft. At one point, Glenn says to John, that we'll lighthouse and we'll meet in the middle. That's when I realized lighthouse wasn't a gay term at all. <laughs> And then I think something was cut, and I think the lighthouse was very important. It just got cut. I think how they diverge around the lighthouse or something. Something got cut. It was a formation, cut. right? Yeah. 
there must be a maneuver around that lighthouse that you saw very yeah. briefly. But they, they must have cut something out of it because I didn't see anything crazy about that lighthouse second that they no. go around it. If anything, I just think they went around it or like they, they, but then they forgot to cut Carol asking Glenn about the lighthouse, which resulted in some girl that they've never met before truly believing that there was a gay subplot. <laughs> <laughs> but then, um, but that's okay. Cause I'm still into it. Mm-hmm. I'm still into it. We're moving, we're grooving. They are able to take these planes down, and we do get to see our other boys bomb this bridge. But they only got one bridge. Half the job is done. It's not perfect. All of a sudden, on the opposing side, the side they cannot fire at, they get their, they've gotten their AAs, they're on their, I almost want to say trucks, and they're firing their AA weapons at our guys. Glenn decided in that moment, I choose the safety of our men. And the importance of not starting World, World War III. Three. We need to go. And John decides, nah, and he goes and disobeys an order. And he flies down and he is able to take out the second bridge. What were your thoughts on this scene? I immediately was like, this is going to bite John in the butt later. Mm-hmm. Uh, because another fun fact the government is pretty serious about... Insubordination? <laughs> yeah. Like taking orders mm-hmm. and obeying instruction mm-hmm. for the safety of your unit. And they ask you questions, too. Like, when you're interviewed, how would you... Uh-oh. Are we getting <laughs> no, to no. know? Okay. Yeah, I mean, we are, but we're not going to... Go not gonna too into it. But you have, it. at times, been interviewed by yes. very serious agencies. Well, that's all we need to say. There's just questions of, like, how do you feel about if your unit's in trouble and you have to make a decision there's because you're trying to figure out someone's character mm-hmm. right that's with you are they going to put your life and other people in your unit's lives in jeopardy and in this moment i couldn't help but think does john just want the glory mm-hmm. of taking this out and He's letting his reputation... Like, like here's the thing, because jo- they didn't have to take out the other bridge. They could have just been like, we tried. Huge issue for me. Yes. Huge issue. I agree, too. Glenn has to make this tough decision. He makes it. And then this happens with John that completely felt out of character. Yeah. It didn't feel real. And I wonder if this is in the book or if this is something that the writers thought was a good idea. I don't know. I will, like I said, I'm very interested in reading the book. The point is... If our dear listeners, if anyone has read the book and does oh, know, please can, let, let us know yeah. so that we can, you know, sleep better knowing this. <laughs> Everyone's hooting and hollering. We're in the meeting room and uh, you can tell something's not sitting right with Glenn. Thomas is there, given congratulating the guys. Both bridges down. Good job. Thomas picks up that there's something going on with Glenn, and uh, Thomas calls Glenn back, and he wants to have a private chat. And he says, I got your mission report right here. And I need to remind everybody that by this point, I'm thinking maybe Glenn's not a rat, but maybe he can say something like, off the record, I want to talk to you about something. The first time I met this guy, he was talking to himself. He's aiming too close to civilians. He's aiming at his wife's house. He's a great guy. He's my best friend. I'm worried. I I thought we were gonna have a talk. I thought these Mm -hmm. two guys were going to talk. And 
Okay, here's another thing. No matter what Glenn wrote in that report, whether he wrote the truth or wrote a lie, Thomas has proven himself time and time again that it does, if Glenn wrote a lie, Thomas would have absolutely been able to see through it in that report. Totally. Absolutely. There's no way, even if Glenn had lied, Thomas would have known. So then why were uh, all seven of you over here and John was over here? And then why? Because we got reports here that everyone's writing reports. And all the ca- there's all different teams. John, uh, Thomas would have seen through it right away and know the truth. So Glenn can lie or not lie. I got the feeling Thomas had not yet looked at the report. And instead of us really talking about anything, Thomas for the first time in this movie gives that doesn't have the best lines and it's kind of like don't let this battle define you nothing should define you like this and and good on you it was very blah we just missed a chunk uh it was a wasted opportunity we're in the bunks and john's sitting there glenn comes in and john says you wrote about this in my report you wrote about the fact that i just obeyed your order so uh, i'm thinking duh Duh. (laughs) yeah duh it wouldn't have mattered if he had lied because first of all if glenn had lied Glenn could also lose his job. All the different reports, Thomas was going to go through them, and he could have easily figured out from the different points of view. And no one's being a rat. No. Everyone's just saying where they are and what's happening. it's just they're saying what happened. Yeah. And this point, I'm like, there's no way. There's some sort of... I don't understand. John is looking... His... The care... He's looking so bad here. He looks bad here, and I don't believe that this, the character that they set up, this doesn't make sense. It's insubordination. It doesn't make sense because the history of John so far that we've been shown is that John knows that it's up to him to take care of himself. He doesn't rely on anyone else. So he made that decision to disobey orders, knowing full well what was going to be written. I don't think, and so I don't think the real John or whatever, I don't think it was like, with any expectation of, hey, my boy Glenn is going to cover this up for me. You know what I mean? Why and so is he acting but, like it? That's but in so the film, weird. this John in the film is like, yo, like, really? You couldn't, you couldn't fucking lie for me? Like, what and kind of bullshit is that? And you're that like... That is an issue, I bet you. What? I would put money down and say that when I finally do get to read this book, I'm going to put money down that this was an invention of the screenwriters. Yep. It makes no sense. He states he can't get promoted with this on his report. And then we finally learn what's going on when he talks to himself in that weird kind of schizophrenic way is that he has a journal. And since he was a little boy, he has written down everything negative or racist anyone's ever said to him. And he repeats it in the mirror. And then he says it helps. Why? Glenn should say, why? Why are you beating yourself up? How does this help? Do we get any answers? No. Nope. Do we learn? Does he say but this anything? Is, this is where I think also the downfall of this film is that we never really get to learn about John. No. It do, even though it sets John up to be the protagonist, I can't help but feel that most of the time it's Glenn. Even though we get more cuts to John's personal life, we don't get any cuts to anyone else's personal life, it's not enough for me to know John at all, really, by the end. (sighs) Glenn goes to all the boys in the crew, and he gets them to write up reports. And he shows them to John, and he says, look, everyone's just written up a report, and they said that it was all confusing up there. And 
John's just like not into it. I'm like, so you got a bunch of people to lie again? Like what? And it doesn't feel true or you haven't explained it to me well enough to help me realize why it's true. This whole thing is so muddled. I, you know how sometimes in the past we say like, what could have fixed this or what could have fixed that? I got nothing. It was so out of the blue that John would do this and that, that he would get mad that his friend told the truth. And then it was so confusing that Glenn would then go and try and all the boys would then write up a bunch of lies and then try to pass those. It just was bizarre, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was bizarre. So uh, I know, but then, but then Glenn is like, I stuck my neck out for you. And in a way, John is like, well, I'm not asking you to. And it's like, but you kind of are. Yeah. It did. And then he's like, it's nothing on you. He's like, you know, a slap on your wrist is not the same as a slap of wrist on mine. And I'm like, and and we get that because of the music at the beginning, right? The police coming and it's, and we get that. But at the same time, John seemed to be the one that knew that better than anyone. Right. And so that's why it's out of character. It was like, it was from a different movie. It's almost like a different writer came in and was like, hold Uh, up. I'm going to someone. I'm writing the last 10 pages here. I want my two main characters to be insubordinate liars. Mm -hmm. Right. I want them to be at odds with each other in their final moments that then they, you know what I mean? I just, okay, let's, yeah. We're up in the air again because now we need to... We need to help our men on the ground. Infantry is on the ground. And again, god damn it, this movie just pulls me back god, in. God, this scene it's is great so because annoying. we see the, the bullies mm-hmm. f- from the army who had been bullying John throughout the course of the film. They're, they're struggling on the ground. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you got the Navy squad coming in hot mm-hmm. and... They're cheering for them on the ground. Yeah. And John looks down and one of the guys, and he looks up and he sees, you know, mm-hmm. oh, those are our guys. Yeah. And it's a really be- uh, I don't know. I got emotional. <laughs> I will admit that this movie has a special place in my heart. This is the first time with a podcast movie that I was kind of shedding tears. They got me back. As confusing as everything was, they got me back because uh, John is such a good actor. His plane gets shot. It's losing oil. I was in, I was in it. Um, it was real tough. It was tough to watch. Yep. He's just so good. This, again, this movie is worth renting. He's going down. He knows he's going down. He's not an idiot. He's a good pilot, which is why all this stuff before is, was so bizarre. It, was, it doesn't fit. So let's forget about it. Let's forget about it. You it's know? done. It's done. It's going forward. He's not going to make it. Glenn is there. Glenn's showing off some real acting here. They're, they are not moving and grooving. This is tough. This is a real tough scene to watch. John does go down in the mountains of North Korea. First of all, they decide to go up and they're like, hey, we're going to find a landing spot yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They don't. They don't. It's real tough. John crashes mm-hmm. and you see that he's alive. Like, why isn't he getting out? He can't get out. He can't get out. Glenn is like, I'm going down. And we know this is dangerous to touch down because there could be anyone in these woods surrounding them. Yeah. It's real tough. And I'm, I'm getting a little emotional now thinking about it. Um, it's really good. And it's kind of almost, it's so good that it's... Uh, not worthy. I, I think you guys should rent it and yeah, watch it. Yeah, I agree. So the point is that, unfortunately, John is just trapped. God. And uh, this one guy that actually John knows from a previous assignment, he's a helicopter pilot, he hears that it's John, and he's not going to, he's going to go up and try to help. They can't get him out. And it's real tough. And then, whew, getting a little emotional now thinking about it. That's how good Jonathan Majors is. Mm-hmm. Really good. So let's move on. He does die in the snow. 
The boys have to go, and unfortunately, they have to leave his body. They can't. They got to. John wouldn't have wanted them to die trying to save his body. His body, yeah. And so we we do finish up the movie. We are back at the White House. They're all getting medals for what they did, including John. And then we get, if you've listened to any other episodes, you know how much I hate text on screen. But then again, with this movie, this is the text on screen that makes the exception to the rule. We learned something that just sunk my heart in half, is that not only is this based on real events, but that this is based on a real American hero, Jesse Brown. The reason why I felt it was really important for us while we were talking about this movie to always use Jonathan Major's name is because of what we had to discuss that didn't work with this film. In reality, in real life, Jesse Brown's body is still in North Korea. I don't know too much about it. Like I said, I'm excited to learn more about it. Mm -hmm. But he was a real American hero. They are still trying to get repatriate Jesse Brown's body back to the United States. Mm -hmm. Let's go through it. Because I am always so cruel to you, I will say right off the bat that I absolutely believe that this film, one out zero out of four stars, this film deserves three stars. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Highest grade ever. The reason that I believe that this film technically bombed was because of a few factors. The main factor being, I truly believe that this book deserves six to even 10 episodes on like HBO. A mm-hmm. limited miniseries. There's a lot there that you can get into. Mm-hmm. I think shortening it really... I think you shorten it, you lose sight of who Jesse Absolutely. was as a person and the history, what he had to go through in his life to get to where he was. Yeah. The star, the main star that fell off was somehow in this weird way, the character that John was playing, a fictional version of Jesse Brown... Looked at the end like a insubordinate liar. <laughs> Just like a little selfish. Yeah. Kind of egotistical in a way. And Glenn didn't look good either. Glenn's character that he was playing, the fictional yeah, character. Yeah, neither look, not look good. That scene, that pull thing was weird. You know, I was really nervous going into today thinking that I was going to be giving this some high score and you were... <laughs> going to be like you idiot (laughs) um because we've already i've already mentioned that i do love aviation films and i don't know this film got me within like the first 10 minutes Mm -hmm. i just thought it was beautifully shot and then the ending i i was kind of a mess at the end of the film so i also give this three (gasps) we match match. (laughs) because here's the thing i i thought we just they weren't giving us good enough scenes or moments to get to know John. I will say, I don't think this film deserved the bomb status. I I agree. I also think the poster does this film no justice. Mm. It's, I was, because I was looking up images just to see like what the poster was and things like that to acquaint myself before going into it. And I was like, you've got this great looking cast. Mm-hmm. And I'm not digging any of this promotional material mm-hmm. at all. It's not making me want to go see it. If anything, it's hard for me to tell who's who. It's bad enough, like, the whole cast is white men with brown hair. Uh, <laughs> so it's just... I, I, I think that really hurt the film's 
I don't know, word of mouth too. Yeah. Can, can you imagine seeing some sick posters of these great guys and yeah. beautiful planes with stunning imagery, right, from the film? Because, it, again, it was beautifully shot. Uh, a good poster on or a billboard can really... Mm-hmm. It can bring yeah. in an audience. Uh, it. We had a fun time. We had a rough time. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows. I, I think, though, I would recommend this film to someone. I would, too. Well, thank you so much for joining me in the powder room. Yes, thank you, everyone. Until next time. This is Yvette. And Juliet. Bye. Bye. Bye.